0: This episode is exclusively sponsored by Manifest Commerce, empowering merchants with earth-friendly omnichannel fulfillment. Now, through March 31st, Manifest is offering no-cost onboarding, which is a $1,000 value, for modern startup marketing listeners. Simply email at manifestcommerce.io and mention the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast.
1: The website is a tactic, right? It's a channel. And it's worth taking a beat. To really think about your positioning, where you fit in the competitive landscape. What kind of response do you want to evoke from your prospective customers who are going to be a big audience for this website, right? All of that foundational brand work. What is the core narrative? Who are the key audiences? What is the brand promise? What are the attributes? You know, really get into it. And I do think it's worth taking a beat, spending a little money, and working with great outside partners on that.
0: If you're looking to up your startup marketing game, you're in the right place. This podcast will help you simplify, prioritize, and see big wins from your marketing efforts. Every week, you'll hear from some of the world's best venture-backed startup founders, marketing leaders, and startup experts about marketing, brand, growth, what's working well, challenges, and how crazy and fun marketing can be when you're at a high-growth startup. See you inside. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. I'm happy to have you as always. Today with me, I have Nairi Hordagian. She is the VP of Communications, Content, and Community Marketing at Figma, which is so exciting. I'm excited to talk about Figma I just, before I pressed record, I was just telling Nairi how I work with my designer. He uses Figma, and so I know how important it is in the marketing design process. So welcome. Thank you so much for having
1: me. I'm excited to be here with you today.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So a little bit more about you. You're a founding member of All Raise, which is basically programs to accelerate the success of female founders and funders to build a more prosperous, equitable future. Very cool. And you've also held marketing leadership roles at Canaan, which is an early stage VC firm and also at Uber. So equipped with a lot of good history there and that's about you. So about Figma, for the folks, the marketers that don't know, you probably do (laughs) because you work with designers, but Figma was founded in 2012, 550 people based out of San Francisco and has um, raised Series E funding. So $332.9 million. Figma is a design platform for teams who build products together. So customers include I could go on and on with this list, but I will stop at some point. Slack, Twitter, Dropbox, Square, Airbnb, Netflix, Zoom, Uber, and many more, and probably at your company. So (laughs) I don't think I have to mention all of them. But I'm really excited to jump in because we're not just going to be talking about Figma and marketing at Figma. We're also going to be talking about your expertise, which also comes, PR comes into play there, right? So we'll talk about PR. We'll talk about brand, your thoughts on there. So let's get to it. Okay. So let's talk about first. So kind of like getting a sense of Figma's marketing team. What are the different groups? It's a large company and I'm always interested and intrigued. Like, Who are you working with? How many people are on your team? Like, what does this look like?
1: Sure. You know, it's so interesting. I always love hearing how different companies scale their marketing organizations or their comms organizations because, you know, there's no one size fits all approach. For us at Figma, the way we're organized is we have one marketing team. Led by our incredible chief customer officer, her name's Amanda Clea. And under Amanda, we have a few different groups. One is mine that you described already. The other is product and customer marketing. Another is our brand studio, our creative powerhouse. We have a growth marketing team and we have an international marketing function as well that is covering the marketing work outside North America. So that's how we're currently organized. And my team right now is about 20 people and includes, you know, you mentioned comms, content, and community. Essentially, when I joined Figma, we sought to bring together a lot of the top of funnel, even out beyond the top of the funnel, sort of brand oriented channels and storytelling vehicles. So obviously PR talent brand, social, you know, we have a really robust events program, which we can talk about in the community conversation I know we'll have today. We have a really unique group of designers who work with us at Figma on the marketing team called our Designer Advocates who are, you know, career designers who love using Figma, loved using Figma in their careers and came to be in-house experts and evangelists for the product, working with our sales team, working as, you know, often faces of the brand. And so that's a little bit of flavor around my team.
0: Awesome. So do you mean to say like the designers are on the
1: team and like putting out content? They do put out content. Yep. Think of them as like, you know, they're called designer advocates, right? So they advocate, Publicly, and they talk about the importance of design, they listen to our community, they engage in conversation with users to hear feedback. And they also, you know, work closely with our customers to understand and help troubleshoot their pain points and sort of serve as that in-house, really deep, deep design expertise that's externally facing
0: Cool. Well, thank you for telling me about like your team makeup. It's just fascinating. Like the larger size companies, it's structured a little bit differently. So it's cool to hear that. Stemming off of that, my question to you is how do you integrate your marketing campaigns across the other teams within marketing? Like how do you make sure that there's integrated marketing happening? And then after that, I just want to understand like how you do internal communication. How do you get people excited and knowing about what you're working on cuz the larger the company, the harder it is to do that for sure.
1: You know, it's such a good question about integrating on campaigns because I'd say we're a work in progress on it, but are really approaching it from a lens of, you know, one team, one dream, to use that cheesy phrase. We're a product-led company, you know, and so much of our brand is tied to the product. So a lot of our campaigns do tie to product, and that makes it really fun and engaging with the community. But we're also doing more that what I call it's so important in marketing too, is like the white spaces in between where you really think about storytelling from a first principles point of view because you have space in the calendar and what can live under this umbrella and how should we bring it to life? And I think the key ingredients are that there are, you know, strategic context and alignment. So just making sure everybody understands the why behind an initiative like that, in particular when it's less tied to product having a really killer, you know, project manager who's going to keep that information flowing. Some people call it a campaigns person. We have a lot of amazing people who can fill those shoes for us and and do. And then, you know, the other piece is just constantly encouraging a culture of experimentation. You know, we're in a stage of hyper growth. It's busy, right? And sometimes it's hard to kind of get that altitude to think about, what new things do we want to do here? And I think it's just so important to have that space and create that space for the teams. Totally. And then you asked about internal communications, you know, internal comms is, has really over the last few years become a primary brand surface area for organizations. And some people ask me, what do you mean brand? It's internally facing, but The way, you know, just like external brand is no one channel or one story. It's how people experience your product, your thought leadership, your social vibe. Same is true internally. Internal comms can be an accelerant and a storyteller for internal culture and brand. And that's how it needs to be considered. It used to be an afterthought, right? I mean, five, 10 years ago, it was much more of an afterthought. And, you know, now it's just... It has to be built into any sort of campaign motion. And for us, one of the things we started doing and has been really fun is making sure that we're previewing big initiatives, sometimes marketing, sometimes otherwise, internally first, right? It gets people excited. It helps them stay aligned and understand why something is important. And we've gotten really good feedback from our figmates, as we call ourselves, on feeling briefed early and often. If you think about your stakeholder set, what stakeholder set is more important than your internal employees, right? And you always want to bring your stakeholders along early.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the fact that you say that it used to be an afterthought. Now it has to be sort of like your people at your company is your marketing. Yes. More so now, right? Than it has ever been. And if you're not getting people excited internally, then they're not going to it just kind of stops, right? Like you can do what you want, but it's very siloed within your department. You want it to be like a cross-company
1: thing, right? Yeah. You give up the additional leverage that having excited employees gives you out into the world. That's right. Totally.
0: All right. Cool. So let's dive into, it's 2022. We're well into 2022. What's your, I'd love to Talk about your marketing plan. And I like asking this question across different size startups. So for you at Figma, talking about um, and for your specific team, if you can talk through like your budget, how do you budget for your specific team when it comes to communications content community? Like what goes into the budget? What's the split look like? Just high level would be so interesting to understand.
1: Sure. Well, first, I think we try to take a, again, first principles view of what is going to be impactful this year. Just because we did something last year doesn't mean we should do it the year following and really start from what's working, where do we need to hit the gas? Where do we need to experiment and not, you know, invest in something new? And then what can we say is like, okay, it was okay, but we can cut it. Right. And so coming at planning from that perspective is very important. You know, for us, the big lever of marketing and the big focus for us, as you may know, which is our community orientation. The community for Figma has really been part of our story from day one feedback from designers, iterating with designers on the product years ago, long before I was at Figma and, you know, really showing up for them in the ways that they would like is really important to us. And so that leads me to share that, you know, events are a really big piece of our marketing mix on my team. We do an annual big conference called Config and, you know, we last year had 60,000 people register for it and had just this incredible moment of connecting with this global community of designers, people who participate in the design process, PMs, engineers, really inspiring talks from members of that community. And so Config has been around for a couple of years now. That's a big focus for us this year. We'll be doing it again. We also did an experiment with a design systems conference last year that was you know, a little bit more narrowly focused, but also we we're just blown away by the work that the community came and presented. And so we're going to be repeating that. So that gives you a feel for the events program. And then we're adding some new stuff, which I'm not ready to talk about yet, but to come. And then, you know, on the comms talent brand side, you know, we're really working on, you know, finding ways to bring to life this story of the shift in the world from physical to digital. And so, you know, that lives across a lot of different channels. You know, we're, we're hiring a lot of people this year. Talent brand work is really important. The right partnerships with the right, you know, third-party groups who get us in front of the right diverse candidate pools, you know, doing the right advertising and the right channels. So that's a big piece of our paid mix. On my team. You know, earned media is earned for a reason. It's you know, tends to be free. We don't spend a lot of money on PR agencies, and we can talk about that more and the philosophy around that. But what I really love about our team's planning process is that and our culture overall at Figma is there's a very big appetite to say, here's what's going well. I'm the first to say this didn't go well, right? I'm the owner of it, you know, whatnot. We have a culture that destigmatizes that kind of iterative process and it helps us really get to the right place in planning.
0: Can you tell me more about talent brand work? Sure. What does that mean? I am coming in here like I don't know. And maybe listen to some listeners don't know either, but yeah, please explain.
1: It's essentially how you tell your company story in a slightly more tailored way for the prospective candidates that you want to hire and bring into your organization you know we doubled in size last year we will do the same this year as a company and that means getting the figma vision and mission out there to inspire people to join us in this endeavor and make design accessible to all and you know really reaching them and telling the right stories where they are what's interesting about talent brand is you know it can live a lot of different places it can live in a people ops org it can live in a recruiting org we've chosen to put it in marketing because we see it so closely tied to overall brand building and brand awareness. So that's that piece. And it also ties very closely into editorial and content, which I know you mentioned here. And content, as you know, is such a catch-all, right? Everyone's a content creator in marketing. Where my team focuses is more on the editorial side of storytelling and and we're kind of investing there. That's an area where we're going to be doing more experimentation and investment in 2022.
0: So... Sounds like community is a big piece. Events is a big piece. You're doing some talent brand work, right? Where it's more about your storytelling and um, it's for hiring purposes. So there's a lot going on on your team. Can you talk about specifics? Like when you're building out, when you're saying community is a big focus, right? Where, where are you building community? Like what specific social channels, what specific I don't know, because you were saying that a lot of your conversations and communications is around the shift from physical to digital. So are you doing offline (laughs) marketing stuff? I guess events, right? In person, but...
1: Well, no. I mean, our events have shifted to be digital, to be virtual. So events definitely is a big piece of that community marketing mix. The channels where we engage the community are very much, you know, Twitter is a big one. Design Twitter is a force. And it's a lot of fun to have that conversation there on social, on Twitter. Instagram is such a visual channel that for us, it's a great place to show the work and spotlight some of the work that can happen in Figma. You know, LinkedIn is a great place to do more talent brand storytelling, corporate storytelling, show the momentum of the company and inspire, you know, the right kind of candidates to be excited about you too. Those are those pieces. We also have a really active distributed network of designers and, you know, everyone involved in the design process that comes together in Discord. We were running that for a while in Slack, but wanted to we moved it to Discord late last year and that's a place for designers to connect directly with each other have conversations talk about everything from building plugins and widgets for the Figma platform to you know just helping each other through things in their local market and it's a global co- community organized in different ways and so that's another place where that a lot of that conversation happens
0: and so how does your team like help produce the content that is maybe useful for the community or you bring the community in to talk to you, like have meetings and you co-create together? Like what content are you leaning into?
1: A lot of our live streams are exactly what you describe. You know, perhaps a design team at a customer is using Figma in really unique ways that are interesting to share with the rest of the community or people who are thinking about using Figma. And so they'll Take the time, which we so appreciate, to talk on one of those live streams, share their stories. So that's definitely one place. The events are generally like a big place where we can spotlight that those customer stories and that customer work. You know, it's so important to shine a spotlight on what the end users, the companies, you know, the design orgs, the design systems leaders are doing. They're really innovating in this space and driving the future of design forward. And if we can just be a catalyst to help bring their stories to life, then I think that's really the way we think about that piece of the pie.
0: Well, interestingly enough, I have my podcast, which is called Modern Startup Marketing, and I bring on modern startup marketers <laughs> to the show and showcase them and put a spotlight on them, such as you know yourself, right? So very much the same strategy, right? The more you can shine a spotlight and like kind of help the whole community learn and grow and get better, I think that the better everyone ends up being.
1: And it's such an incredible time in design, right? When we talk about the shift from physical to digital, it basically, it's a multi-decade shift that has been going on, but was accelerated by the pandemic. And so, you know, people are living their lives exclusively behind a screen to a large degree these days. And that means design is how they experience the world. And so designers are on the leading edge of that transition and not just designers, but, you know, people are getting involved in the design process. And so anyone who's involved in that design process, whether on the business side, on the exec side, the product side, you know, it's a really, really exciting time. Totally.
0: Yeah. This is so fun. I hear a lot about like, yeah, we should get into community. Community is so big now. It's so hot now. But the way you do it right, there is so nuanced, right? It's not like a one-time snap your fingers and everybody comes to you and here you go. There's a community like it takes time. It took
1: years, right? For Figma to start out with just like a few people. 100%. And it was part of our founder and founding team's ethos from day one you know, kind of building alongside designers, getting their feedback early and really authentically engaging, like they really wanted the feedback. And the incredible marketing leader who runs that community marketing team for us, her name's Claire Butler, she was the first marketer at Figma. She's been here for over six years and a lot of that authenticity and genuine desire to serve the community and um, hear the community and build for the community really is driven by her.
0: I'm curious, is there something since, you know, you and I are not designers, we work with them, but like, what have you learned from these expert designers that maybe like one thing that you're like, oh my gosh, that's actually really cool. I had no idea about this, right? Is there anything that comes to mind that since you, you know, you're kind of part of that world more with these designer experts?
1: You know, my exposure to digital design prior to joining Figma had been much more on the brand side. You know, what is the brand and visual identity we're establishing for a brand, the logo, the website, but I hadn't been as exposed to, you know, like app prototypes. And I just think that the prototyping work is so fascinating. Just the fact that you can take a mock-up on a Figma, canvas and then view it in the mobile app in a way that looks like a live app and just iterate and, you know, get feedback that way. I've loved that. The other thing too, which is actually, I think, a great metaphor for scale and scaling, which is what startups are trying to do, is design systems, right? If you can codify the components of your design system that are repeatable and designers don't have to spend their time reinventing the wheel every time, designers get to spend their mind share solving problems that haven't been solved yet and thinking about what's next because design is problem solving. And so I just love this concept of design systems and how it enables both, again, cohesion and experimentation. And it just feels like such a good metaphor for how you need to scale marketing to figure out the things that are known and knowable and repeatable, set those frameworks, and then you know, experiment and do bespoke things for the new ones.
0: I was just going to say,
1: like, isn't that the dream for anybody? Easier said than done. And that's another piece for, you know, it's always, it's present in any of my marketing plans, pretty much regardless of stage, because you're always kind of building infrastructure. But the infrastructure layer of comms and marketing is something you have to continually invest in.
0: Yeah, I believe that. So you've kind of touched on PR a little bit, but we haven't actually talked about your expertise there. I know your your expertise is in communications and PR and also public and government affairs, which is super cool. So maybe if you can speak to your experience there and like your thoughts on how PR has changed, especially in like how startups think about PR. What has changed? What is still the same? What are startups doing wrong with their PR efforts? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, I I cut my teeth working in politics, where telling your story through earned media is central. It is the way that you win, really. Even with the rise of digital marketing in politics, it's still such a powerful lever. And ultimately, I believe in the mix of owned and earned channels, but still believe PR has a role. So, what has changed? The biggest thing that's changed is that the media landscape has contracted, right? There are far fewer reporters at fewer outlets. And the important thing that gets missed is the kind of pressure that reporters and editors are under to compete with one another, to deliver great stories, to be first, right? Mm-hmm. And so that makes it much more challenging because as the media landscape has contracted, startups have proliferated. Funding is at an all time high. And so there's a fundamental mismatch in proportion for the people who wanna have their story told through the media and then those who are willing and able to tell it. They call it earned media for a reason, right? You have to earn it. It has to authentically be an interesting story. And I think that's the biggest, there are a lot of things I think that startups get wrong on PR. I think it is often viewed as a, oh, that person's smart. Let's give them purview over comms. But you would never do that. Like, just give the smart person the legal portfolio, right? It is actually a craft and a nuanced one at that, that hinges on the ability to build human relationships with reporters Give something of value in order to get something of value. And so, what I always encourage startups to think about is first and foremost, is earned media important to your strategy? The answer to that does not have to be yes. What are your business goals? What role does comms have to play in that? Could you navigate to those goals through your own content, through new- your own newsletters, through social? Or do you really need that? earned media mix? Do you need it in trade publications? Do you need it in broad-based business publications? Are you a consumer brand that actually just needs to be in People Magazine? And so just taking that you know, intentional approach to it versus just like, I need to have as many links as possible of stories is number one. Number two, value over volume. You can get many links of quote unquote stories that are not you know, reaching your core audience that are essentially like throwaway, right? And you may have links to point to. If the people you need to reach aren't reading them, they don't matter. And you should be spending your time elsewhere because in startups in particular, resources are scarce, right? And then the last piece I'll say is, this is a long game for organizations that believe that PR is important to them. Think of it as playing a long game, Don't pitch reporters who don't know you. Cold pitching these days as a startup won't work. Build the relationship. Understand what the reporter is interested in covering. Understand, you know, educate them on your business early on. Be willing to invest. I always like to say for a company that's thinking about getting acquired, you would never build the relationship with your ideal acquirer right before you want to go have that conversation. You would build it over time. Same is true for media. So those are some of the things that are changed, some of the things that startups do wrong. I think the other piece too is for anyone who's working in marketing at a startup who is tasked with managing PR. Good luck.
0: No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) Good luck. Number two, tell it straight to your founder. Here's what's possible. Here's what's not. Let's be really like intentional about our strategy. And I think that That voice is really, really important because it's easy to feel like, well, I have to figure out how to get that done when it might be the wrong strategy.
0: It's so interesting because I know of a startup that hired like for their marketing role, they hired a PR expert and then that person, it just wasn't a good fit, right? I bet you that what the founder was expecting was like, well, we have a PR expert and that's our marketing like. They will know everything and they will get us exposure and attention. And that's like one piece of that's just like, it's a channel, just like every other channel. And you can't just put all your eggs in one basket and hire for, you know, a person that's in that role for marketing.
1: You can actually, but I think you want to think about it intentionally, right? So if it's one person, you're saying, okay, what's important to me is content, brand, and comms, right? And not growth, as much, not as much, you know, maybe some of the other paid pieces, maybe not so much community or events. And so I think it just depends because there are a lot of comms people who are, are now CMOs. But I think, again, just has to be mapped to what's important.
0: Totally. Yeah. Sounds totally. like in that case, yeah. it wasn't. That's right. And then the other thing that resonated with what you mentioned was value over volume. And you can get a lot of links and stories out there. You can be on PR Newswire. You can be on in TechCrunch, right? But if it's not reaching your core audience, it's kind of just like the spray and pray model. Like, how effective is that? It took you that long to get in there or you just paid like 50 bucks to get in PR Newswire. Is that actually effective? Is that really PR, strategic PR?
1: Cancel? PR Newswire. Don't do it. If you're putting out press releases on PR Newswire in order to get SEO, get your SEO a different way, okay? Nobody reads them. Reporters discount them. They deliver nothing of value.
0: Woo! This is coming from an expert, folks. Whoever is listening, don't do it. Don't do it.
1: I know you're thinking about it. Because think about it, if it's a vehicle for owned storytelling, right? Why would you put it in a more formal archaic format and not do it in an authentic to your own brand voice format? And then if you feel like, you know, it's going to drive earned media, it won't. That's right.
0: And these days I think like a lot of startups are just they're building themselves out as their own like internal media companies so you don't have to actually go off of platform and like tell your story somewhere else or wait till to be picked up by someone else, right? You, you can actually start building that machine with your content across different channels and you can create your own media company internally so
1: yeah sure you absolutely can there's still a special sort of validation that comes with TechCrunch or you know wall street journal or a different news publication so it's really a both and so i don't really buy into the silicon valley conversation about doing an end run around media i still think it's it has an important role to play but it's you know as part of an overall mix
0: Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, you have some thoughts on brand and some experience with brand, as you mentioned. What are your thoughts on building a brand successfully for early stage startups versus for later stage startups? What has been your good experience versus bad experience? I guess let's talk about that.
1: Sure. I find that startups start thinking about brand when they need to get their website up. So at Canaan, we were early stage investors, and early stage meant like Cedar Series A. Oftentimes, you know, we backed companies based on a slide deck, right? And nothing else existed yet. So we would work with the teams there when they were like, well, we need to get our website up. The website is a tactic, right? It's a channel. And it's worth taking a beat to really think about your positioning you know, where you fit in the competitive landscape, what kind of response do you want to evoke from your prospective customers who are going to be a big audience for this website, right? All of that foundational brand work, you know, what is the core narrative? Who are the key audiences? You know, what is the brand promise? What are the attributes? You know, really get into it. And I do think it's worth taking a beat, spending a little money and working with great outside. Partners on that, you can do it scrappy and do it internally if your founder will deeply engage with you on it. But it can be valuable to bring in that third party, and if, and there are some excellent you know shops who can do that, including a like smaller scale for a, that's appropriate for a startup. And then build the website, right, which is a manifestation of the brand with whatever focus a website needs to take for a particular company. So that's one piece. The other thing that I think that I learned from my time at Uber in particular and became you know more visible over the course of our scale and growth is it depends on what space you're in, but it's important not to forget brand marketing in your paid mix. A lot of companies really focus on growth marketing to get those dials turning, to get the metrics where you want them to be in order to get to the next fundraise. And then it's like this vicious cycle. But growth marketing has a particular vibe and tone, and it may not always be as brand aligned as you want it to be. It's important, don't get me wrong. It's really important, it's evolving too. I'm not an expert in growth marketing. I'm sure you have a lot of those folks on. It's changed a lot over the last few years as well. Don't forget about brand marketing, right? You won't have attribution in the same way. You won't have ROI one week later in the same way. But if you believe that you're building a company for the long term, then those investments are for the long term and can be measured, you know, longitudinally.
0: All right. Well, that ties into the next question, which ties into like measuring ROI and specifically within your team, how do you do it? maybe it's like part of it is the challenge. But I just wanted to say for people listening in and how Nairi had said, your website is a channel and you want to take a beat. To think about positioning, competitive landscape, messaging, your narrative, all that stuff. I actually work with my clients on that. And I did not talk to you. I did not talk to you about this. Oh, Yeah, I think this is like definitely a worthwhile. It's a super awesome approach. Like you can't skimp on it because you're right. You start thinking about your brand when your website comes up and you can't just like have it as an afterthought of like, we'll think about our messaging and our position and talk to our customers and learn about benefits and features from them mm-hmm. and do voice of customer research. And like, all- you have to do it before you do anything. You go across any channel, you go across social, you go, across, you know, with your website, you show up digitally, you have to do it beforehand. Otherwise, good luck. It's like if you're hired for PR, good luck.
1: <laughs> Same answer. Exactly. Listen to this smart, smart person and hire her.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I also did not talk to you about that earlier. No. So let's talk about, because you were saying that measuring ROI is different when you talk about brand marketing versus when you talk about growth marketing. I'm assuming when you say growth marketing, you're talking about performance, performance marketing, like paid, right? Brand marketing is different. And so let's talk about that. How is it different? How do you see it across like what your team is working on? How do you measure
1: ROI? with your activities? You know, I really see brand marketing as sitting above the funnel. It's not even really top of funnel. It's above the funnel. Its goal is not to drive conversion anytime soon. It's to inspire, it's to connect with audiences, right? Could be prospective users, could be prospective candidates, could be prospective investors. And really playing the long game is really important there. You know, as you know, Brands are built in a marathon, but they can be destroyed in an instant with, like, the wrong strategy, the wrong tactics, the wrong messaging, you know. So it's so important to take a measure twice, cut once approach to all the brand work that you do. But, you know, when I think about measuring the success of this type of marketing work, I put, you know, kind of our media in that category, brand marketing campaigns in that category, you know, editorial campaigns in that category, you want to be thinking about, again, like what's the goal of the brand building for your organization? The things I usually like to think about are overall brand awareness. Is it growing over time? You know, you want to see audience growth over time. For the people who do know you, how much do they love you? And do they think about you Like, are they absorbing the message you're putting out there? I think of that as sentiment, right? So in politics, you know, you use survey research a lot to guide that kind of work. And obviously, it's not something that startups in the early stages are going to take on. But as you get to the later stages, it's so helpful to have that roadmap. In politics, you always want to see what kind of awareness do people have of a candidate? Okay, it's low. Well, shoot, what are we going to do? But wait, of the people that do know that candidate, if they know them, they love them. Why? Right? And so it's that intensity of sentiment that's important to sort of glom onto and see if you can grow over time. And so that kind of research informs the what I call the brand marketing piece, the brand advertising piece of politics, which is the bio ad, right? The 60 second bio spot that introduces a candidate into the world, you know, the convention video, these types of like brand moments. And it's not so dissimilar for companies as they scale and grow. You wanna be telling the higher level story to inspire bigger audiences to your vision and mission over time. And it just won't be that easy or short term to measure the impact. The other pieces of this kind of brand marketing swath of work or you know it's also really hard to measure the impact of earned media i know there are a lot of tools and tactics to do it and people talk about share of voice and impressions and etc 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 but it all goes back to impressions don't matter if your core audience is like the five executives amazon because like you want them to be buying your consumer brand company the number of impressions doesn't matter. It's like, are you in the right publication? And so I just find that to be a little bit of a fallacy. So just education internally about how to think about this over time and not getting into a vortex of short-term thinking.
0: I'm hearing quality over quantity from you. 100%. 100%, okay, cool. Yeah, I think about it the same way. Like I'm not looking to be an influencer with like 50,000 LinkedIn followers. I just need those people that really love get value, and like a network and a community of folks that really love what I do. You don't need a ton of them. You just need the right people. So a lot of times like marketing, the immediate thought is we need to get as many people as possible to get to know like what we are doing. But that's not true. You need to like have that sliver of people that love what you do and like give them value. They share the word of mouth. They get more people just like them, right? Exactly. Awesome. A lot of gold nuggets there. I love it. I love the like measuring ROI. It's possible, but it's different. It's possible, but it's different from the way that you would measure performance marketing channels. And it also matters a lot more in the later stages, right? To have that roadmap.
1: And that's why it's so important when considering teaming up with a founder or a founding team to just make sure there's philosophical alignment for the marketers out there. And, you know, developing you can develop co-develop that together, that philosophy, or you know, you can establish it together, or you can say, Hey, this is mine. If you don't want that, I'm not the marketer for you. But just having that conversation up front before teaming up is a key piece.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Okay. So Let's get creative a little bit and maybe you can share one or two really good creative marketing ideas that you have come up with, your team has come up with, something like you're really proud of and maybe share like what makes it creative and what has been the impact so far.
1: Sure. We launched a swag store (gasps) in January, which is pretty unique for a SaaS business and we had a lot of fun you know, the community marketing team put the idea together. We had a lot of pull from our community for swag and we were trying to figure out a scalable way to deliver swag to the people who wanted it. We've also had a lot of fun on social with some folks in the community who tweet about Figma swag. And so it was a, you know, new muscle to build to figure out e-commerce, but the team did an incredible job and I think it's pretty special and i don't take for granted the fact that you know we're a sas brand that has a swag store and that's just something very unique about our connection with our community and so we are putting all of the profits from that initiative towards the offset of carbon that is created from the shipping so it's not a money maker for figma much more just a vehicle to you know bring this you know what we heard from the community that they were excited about, and just deepen some connection with them. So
0: that was pretty fun and creative and unique. I love that. I've only had, I think, one other startup that has mentioned this SaaS company called Lessonly, where they have like golden llamas, other swag. <laughs> yeah, ties into their animal, right? Like their ambassador. So it's really cool to hear that. And it also ties into other areas, right, of your marketing programs, like social, and building out your community and getting, you know, word of mouth spreading and stuff like that. So
1: and talent brand, you know, we had some of our figmates as models in, you know, the photography and the videos. And so we got to feature some of our incredible employees as part of it, too.
0: Well, what's the website so everyone can visit?
1: I will send it to you. I will send it to you.
0: Perfect. Right. Because it's only launched in January. So it's semi new, right?
1: (laughs) That is right.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, Nyree, thank you so much for spending the time today to talk about all things marketing, PR, brand, earned. What else? We talked about like the swag store, right? Creative marketing ideas that you guys have had, the team. Thank you. It has been such a pleasure. If anyone wants to reach Nyri, you can do so. I'll include the link to your LinkedIn in the show notes. And to find out more about Figma, you can
1: visit Figma.com. Thank you, Nyri. Thank you so much. And for those who would like to check out the swag, it's store.figma.com.
0: Awesome. I'll include that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Firmanov, or go to my website, firmanovmarketing.com. Thanks for listening.